Welcome to the Players Podcast. This is your host, Coach Noza. The Players Podcast is brought to you by the Salem Hoops Project. The Salem Hoops Project provides free basketball training to kids in Northeast Salem, Oregon. It's our firm conviction that no child should be limited from athletic opportunity due to financial limitations. For more information, visit the SalemHootsProject.org. Now on to the show. So when I was growing up and I watched Jordan, I mean, obviously the things that I noticed was just his dunking and his ability just to dominate a game. But watching this Last Dance documentary, I think we see more about him. And one of the things you mentioned about not just Jordan, but also Pippen and Rodman was their humility. And I think people watching this documentary would think like, humility, this guy seems like the most arrogant guy. He knows he is the greatest. So what do you mean by humility? Well, I think that all three of them came from humble beginnings. So it was already instilled in them before, even no matter how hard they worked and how confident they got, um, that was still at the core of them. And the way I know that is that you see, look at the eye contact that um, Michael Jordan gives Phil Jackson when they were talking, when they're, when they're, and he had to switch his whole game up um, in order to play winning basketball. You know, he's no different than the James Hardens of today and all those different guys um, that were putting up big points. Um, the difference is that he was really trying to figure out winning. And I think that all three of those guys, that's what was at the center of their game. But, um, you know, Scottie Pippen to go from being a manager and having to hustle his coach to just get on the team. Um, Rodman, he's homeless. He's just playing pickup basketball, having fun doing that, and somebody finds him. And I relate a lot to that because Robin was just playing basketball. He wasn't playing to get recruited. He wasn't playing for rankings. He wasn't playing for anything. He was just having fun, loving playing basketball every day in the park. And then a college coach saw him there, um, you know, a serendipitous meeting. You know, that was a situation that happened for me um, between my freshman and sophomore year of college. I was just playing Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday at Clark College. Um, open gym. It's two hours, five to seven, the best best are around. I mean, the, the Damon Studemeyers, the Cliff Robinson, Terrell Brandon, the Dan Dickout, the Richie Fry, Ime Yudoka, you know, all the best players around uh, were playing there. And I'm just playing because I want to get better, but not for recruiting. And next thing you know, Dave Waller walks up to me and says, hey, man, I want to offer you a scholarship. But I feel like that's the same way that Rodman was. He's kind of like surprised. He just playing because he loved it. And then now you get paid. He said it himself. I'll get paid for free. I, I don't got to get paid to do this, man. I get paid to deal with this other stuff once I get off the court. Um, and that's real. Do you think we've gotten too far away from that? As like where we're at now in society with just all sports in general. But, I mean, everything is so from the beginning. You got to get on tournaments. And, and I think it's hard to remember. Like we all started playing because we loved it. Yeah, I try to say that to kids sometimes, too, because I remember those feelings. Like, I remember having struggles in high school or college and then having to push pause and sit in my room and go, you know what, man? Man, I'm not going to let this coach take this joy from me. I, I didn't play because of this. I started playing because I really love basketball. You know what? I love basketball regardless and get out there and start work on your game. Um but I, I really believe we've got away from these central tenets, the central themes of the game that are very simple and basic. Um, but, you know, when, when things progress forward and we have all this technology and, 
and different resources available, it's easy to get confused. Um, you know, I, I, I think simplicity is where it's at. Um, that's where the edges are at. Um, and we totally gotten away from that. And it, as arrogant or confident or whatever word cocky want to say that those three guys look when they're on camera, um, internally, there's no way they would have continued to get better and be able to play championship winning type of basketball without doing those, being a, a, a teammate, uh, learning how to make others better, um, giving your best. You know, I don't think they say enough about that. Well, I, I know Horace Grant did, but when your very best player is working the very hardest um, and the coach can challenge them, it trickles down to every single person on the team. Today, I think it's inverted. You will have coaches really get hard on the guys at the lowest of the total pole on the bench and then kind of give a pass to the to the best player, which to me is backwards. Um, I think it was Doug Collins that said, you know, the biggest the biggest compliment you can give a great player is to coach them hard. Yes. And that leads to the next the next pillar you had mentioned was coachability. And Michael Jordan was an extremely coachable player. He he did not go on his own and 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 try to run the team. He let the coach run the team, and I think we see that in the documentary as well. Something that's very interesting to me is Doug Collins was successful with the Bulls. They got to Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. Conference Finals, man, they fired him. And uh, I mean, Pippen had a migraine, and they lost. They could have won that game and gone to the finals in '90, and then they fired him to bring in Phil Jackson. And there's been a lot of controversy and debate about you know who said what and who did what. But in the end, there's a new coach coming in, and he's the assistant coach. And once again, Michael Jordan's got to adjust. And now, like Jordan said in the documentary, Phil Jackson wanted to take the ball out of my hands, and I didn't like that. But he was willing to buy in and accept it. Talk a little bit about coachability and what we've seen from uh, Pippen, Jordan, and Rodman. Well, even just with that situation itself, was it? He came with Stan Albach, the first coach. Then he go to um, uh, Doug, and then now to Phil. And all those are three different styles. You can hear how he talked about the first coach. He didn't really like him, um, but 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 he was still willing to be coached. Then he moved on to Doug. He really liked Doug. Okay, they let Doug go. Think of in today's day and age, you let the the best players, kind of best friend coach, get fired. That would he adjusted, and you could see this able to adjust his game. Everybody on this earth that plays the game of basketball should be able to adjust their game um, and be coachable. Uh, but I think he wanted to learn. You know, one thing I always remember that Larry Bird said years ago, he said, man, I was trying to make myself the best possible basketball player I could be. I think that's what Jordan was all about. Uh, not what the media wanted. He, he wanted to be the best basketball player that he could be. That led to winning. That, that central tenant. Um, that, that's what I see in Jordan. Um, you know, Pippen, <laughs> that's a, uh, his whole career is a, um, you know, a, a deal for coachability to go from where he was in high school. I imagine he was just an okay player in high school if he went to be a student manager in college at an NAI school. Um, nothing anybody these days aspires to go to. Um, and then he goes there um, and is willing to be persistent. I think that's part of being coachable too. Uh, you having some persistence to really want to learn the game um, 
if you feel like in your mind, I've got some things figured out, there's no desire or want to learn. Um, and going back to that, wanting to be the best player you can be, you can see that in, in Pippen. I think that's really funny to me is when Pippen goes from being non-confident, uh, doesn't have much stuff, he gets better. And they said when he came into the Bulls, he said he told Oakley and those guys, man, I'm going to be better than Jordan. So look at how the shift in confidence in a, you know, a matter of maybe four years that happens. Um, I think that's what happens when you get on the right path. You do the right stuff. Uh, kind of like the book, The Alchemist. Everything the world conspires to make sure, the universe to make sure that you get done uh, on your path. You know, you, you find your goal. Uh, and then with Robin, man, the style of game that he plays is a model for coachability. Who in their right mind says, I want to hustle, die for loose balls, play defense, don't pass me the ball, and I'll rebound and set screens for you. Um, and that's literally what his game is. Um, and they don't show enough highlights of it, but I remember when Robin played for the Bulls and for the Pistons, he would literally get the rebound right by the basket and then take a couple of dribbles out and just hand it right to one of the guards. He, there was times he'd be like, man, why you didn't shoot that? You could have shot that. But I think he was thinking like, there's a chance I might miss this and I could get it back to a better decision maker. See, it's all going in alignment with winning. Um, so I don't know if that's got to be your central theme in the back of your mind, but um, getting better and, and wanting to win should help you be coachable. And I think it's just a basic thing coming into the game. Why do you want, why do you want to uh, get above the authority? in certain situations you're going to get in, whether it's a teacher, coach, boss at work, you got to kind of learn how to fit in line. And if you want to grow bigger than that box, you, you have to work your way out of it. I think one of the differences between that NBA and the NBA we have today is the control the players have. And there's, there's some positives to that too, for the players. And as far as the business aspect goes, but as far as the brand of basketball goes, I don't know if you can argue that today's what we're seeing today with players shifting teams and creating their own little units every other year is as good as the teams that stuck together with I mean the Bulls had the same starting lineup for five years at least and then yeah. you know Phil Jackson coached them through the almost the entire 90s and you just see more consistency uh, better flow of play with players that understand each other and like I said, there's some positives for players having a little more control with their careers as far as the business aspect goes. But as far as the brand of basketball, I really enjoyed seeing teams work together. You know, Celtics and Lakers battled each other. Pistons had to overcome the Celtics, overcome the Lakers. The Bulls as a unit had to overcome the Pistons. And then uh, to now where a team loses and, okay, I'm out of here. I'm going to get this guy to join me to go to this area and I think that coachability plays a lot into it because when you're able to listen to your coach and you're the best player in the world the rest of your team is going to be like oh we're in this too they follow they follow right behind um just speaking about that uh yeah you want to allow things are going to move forward uh in the game and and I don't think it's wrong that the players do have more say and controlling it but it just goes back to what we talk the reason why you got in the game and when you got in the game before you knew that the coaches are the coach and you're the player and uh you just see that so often that's i'm looking at the body language when every time when jordan goes over the field 
and, and he's talking or they're in the huddles and he's talking it's very direct eye contact, you know, in today's day and age. And I'm really big on body language. I looked at, at that a lot in players. I study it and you'll see non eye contact. And this, these are just simple things that you learn like in first grade. This isn't like, well, man, I didn't really learn that. What, what do you mean, man? It's follow directions. You know, how are you doing, sir? How are you doing, ma'am? I mean, these are just basic things you learn and they carry those, those things forward. But the brand of basketball, enough about chemistry and that power that that plays in the game of basketball. And if you're moving all around the place, you have no time to develop the chemistry. Uh, like you said, where the Bulls kept their unit together for so many years, when you added a player here or a player there, it didn't make much of a difference because their core had stayed together. I remember hearing that too with the Pistons and their Bad Boys documentary. Was they'd bring a guy in and the, the team was like, hey, this is how we do things here in Detroit. You're either with it or you're not. And, yeah, when you're bringing new players to a new team, not just, like, new players on your own team, but, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George go into the Clippers and now calling that their team, it's just – it's a little it's a little different than uh, coming into Michael Jordan's guy to Pippen, Horace Grant, and then them telling you how we do things in Chicago. Yeah, did you hear – did you see the bad boys thing? I just watched it a couple of days ago again, and then uh, – uh, Adrian Dantley came to the team and he said, as soon as he logged, went off, walked in the locker room, Lambeer is like, Hey man, we, we don't do stuff like this. We do it like this. Like, and he's looking at him like, man, what are you talking about? I don't care what I'm talking about. This is how we're doing it. And, and it's, that's just called leadership. Uh, and that gets looked at as frowned upon these days. You know, um, the busting of the balls that you see in the last dance so much, like, um, like that's fun for me. But in today's day and age, that's frowned upon. That's taboo. Guys really don't don't like that. And hey, man, I, you know I I gotta speak the truth. It's it's called mental toughness training. You know, mm -hmm. you busting balls with your buddies or whatever. You know they're just messing with you. But if you can handle that, you're gonna be able to handle the other team getting on you in the game, or the refs are against you, or these other things that 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 will bother you that won't bother you now but if every little thing bothers you as soon as you get in the game that's what you're teaching yourself to do so i'm i'm glad i was around my friends that really bust my balls and help make my skin tough um because it allows you to just let stuff roll off your back um i really believe it's mental stuff and training the last thing on your pillar list which is a very good one and i think we all heard about it with jordan I wish they would have shown more about it with him. I don't think they're showing enough about it, but that's work ethic. And they touched on how he became better every year in college. They touched on how he hit the weights and started getting stronger. I think they're showing us too much of this leisure, Jordan. Like, I love golf, and I love, you know, just smoking cigars, and, and then I would just beat everybody because I'm good. I think they're showing us too much of that, even though we know the legend of Michael Jordan is his work ethic. So talk a little bit about... Uh, maybe your memory of his work ethic or, or what you have seen in the documentary. Yeah, and just things that I've heard about, because I studied Tim Grover a lot. Um, and obviously, you know, he worked a lot with Kobe um, as well. And I and I think that, and also Dwayne Wade, and you kind of look through these different players' games, like, of course, they're great, but there's a lot of great players out there that don't develop the way they're supposed to. And those three players you see that work with Grover, um, very fundamentally sound players, um, no matter that they're able to do some spectacular things. So Jordan, that's what I always knew. I think he, you know, 
we look at the thing what he did to threes. You know, he hit those threes in the first half against the Blazers. I know the Michael Jordan at that time. Michael Jordan was not a three-point shooter, but he was working on it. He was improving on it. And that's all that was, was, you know, when you continue to get better at your shot. I know what that's like going from being a non-shooter to a shooter. Um, you know, and then when he finished his career, you know, he was like a high 30s uh, three-point shooter or low 40s, which is what's normal now. Um, but he always added something to his game that was needed. He didn't just go randomly work on shooting and ball handling in the summer. He would get better at defense. He would get better at posting up. He would get better at guarding screens and whatnot. Uh, you just saw a component to his game that if he saw it was weak, he built that up until eventually when we saw him at his greatest is when he was just a total complete player, but there's no fluff. You don't see Jordan in the documentary in and out, spin move, doing wild stuff. It's very effective. I go one way, guy cuts me off, boom, to change direction. It's very simple um, the way he does it. But he was somebody I always heard that worked his tail off, man. And Scottie Pippen and Jordan, those are the two players that got me into the game of basketball. i just I'll be real honest. And then I started watching the Blazers after that. But hearing the stories about Jordan being cut and hearing the stories about Pippen – uh, walking on to central Arkansas and that, that motivated me to say like, man, I got a chance because I was coming in the game late. Um, so that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, you know, the work ethic that those players had and um, their coachability and the humility, that's, that's a part of who I am as a player and a coach now. And I think one of the things too, that every player can take from this, you don't need a, you don't need a golden road to get where you want to get. Jordan, Jordan played two years of varsity basketball uh, in high school, he didn't play four years or three years of varsity basketball. Pippen didn't get a scholarship coming out of high school. He had to go be a manager. I'm not even sure if Robin played in high school. I don't think he did. Remembering back from his documentary. But, like, you don't need a golden road to get to where you want to get. And maybe the ceiling for all of us isn't an NBA Hall of Famer. You know, maybe a ceiling for somebody is playing in college, and then maybe you can't get, like, physically you can't get farther than that. I don't know. But to get where you want to get, you don't have to have this path that's just been paved for you. And everything goes perfect because I think something that makes you stronger, like we see in this Last Dance documentary, is hardship. Yeah. And, I mean, all people are going to go through that. That's the thing is that, you know, if you try to avoid it and tiptoe around the adversity now and, you know, if, if like, Jordan got cut his sophomore year and we will all really be realistic, okay, that's not the biggest uh, thing. But if you got really big goals to play high-level basketball, that is uh, destroying uh, to your goals. And so – he gets cut there, okay, uh, a sophomore year, and then works his tail off, like you said, two years. If a kid did that nowadays, he's transferring to another school right away. In that year, if he gets cut, he'll transfer to another school to play in that year of varsity somewhere else. So, um, yeah, that humility, man. I mean, that, that's, that's really what it is. And you can say what you want to say, but it's your actions. That's what shows how humble you are. Yes, definitely. Okay, before we get done here, your favorite Jordan moment. Gosh, man, it's it's probably it's probably that the shrug. And, and, and what and what's bad is it was one of my worst moments because I was actually you know I'm a I'm a port I'm from Portland I was a Portland fan I wanted to I wanted them. You know, and at that time, they were so dominant. 
But then after it was it, to see is going like, man, this dude went from where you could literally say, yeah, Jordan can do all this, but he can't shoot three-pointers. You could say that. And then when he did that, it was like, all right, man, it's, <laughs> there's nothing you can do now, you know. So, I mean, I just watched the stuff again last night, man, you know, uh, episode five and six, you know. Uh, it's it, it's captivating for me, man. I mean, it literally gives me chills watching this stuff. Great memories from childhood and what got I think what got both of us in love with the game my my dad when I was a kid brought home to come fly with me VHS come on man that's like that's really what got my brother and I just really into the NBA and watching basketball we had to watch that tape like 20 times that first week and from there just became you know one of our one of our main passions in life that's what got me into it come fly with me and then um wrapped it up on steroids when Michael Jordan's playground came out. Yep. Um, but those were motivating, man. Watching that, I forget what it was called. There was a magic film like that, too. The the music and all that stuff, man, it just was motivating. As soon as I get done, bam, I'm outside working on my stuff. Come on, let's go play one-on-one. Um, you know, I want to help create, recreate that for the kids. That what, what could motivate the players these days and they've got a lot of uh, uh, mediums and, and venues to do that but we had the vhs tape you know mm-hmm. so i'm hoping stuff like this is what helps motivate players um, of all ages to to want to be better um, because that did it for me well, i think you said it too like right now we're finding out who really loves basketball and who loves the status that comes with being a good basketball player because right now there's no status you either love the game and you're still out there working on your game or you're finding something else that you like instead, which is fine too. But I think we're going to see who really loves the game coming out of this whole hiatus. Yeah, and it's going to be a wake-up call to some too because none, nobody's ever ha- had their game be adjusted like this um, where they haven't played basketball this long, haven't had a coach or somebody pushing them this long. So it's literally if you have to be a self-starter, and if you're not, and we all know – that is the central theme to being a basketball player. The ones that know about it, um, you got to be a self star. You can't have somebody always nudging you out to do it. What happens when they're not there to nudge you? Um, let's get to it. Look. Let me restore the passion in golden era fashion. The that's corrupt, you'll turn me up while we run the atlas. Pray the pain won't be in vain. Poor to say the mask it. Why they kiss ass for traction? Build my own lane and lap them. Chances are they want the credit for your sacrifice. I'll hand you the patent and recreate it twice. Ready to die, you're only one and better name your price. On my 25th hour, no relation to Spike. Ask for the spike in my price. Blame the economy. You heard 444. Hope will be proud of me since 22 twos. No competition here, honestly. My mantra is off to pay me. Call it a prophecy. Boxing one, there's no stopping me. Work to whoever you're praying to. Cooling in the layup line. Look at what y'all made me do. Laughing at advances now. That won't even pay the dues. Y'all stacking up y'all rosters. Suckers always pay the loot.